The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Women's Sanctuary, the podcast about tending the soul of women, sisterhood, and the rise of the sacred feminine. I'm your host, Arlia Hoffman. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Arlia, and this is the Women's Sanctuary. And um, I am thrilled to welcome a guest today, which is one of those beautiful random Instagram synchronicities. Thank you, Instagram. Of someone who's had some similar experiences to mine in life, is now doing incredible work, has been doing incredible work, and has a lot to say about organized religion healing and she's an author so i'm going to introduce her to you and we will dive in amy vogel has been immersed in stories her whole life but only thought about the power of it at age 35 when she started writing on a whim sometimes i think that's the best way things the way things happen best is on a whim since then she has become an accomplished author speaker and podcaster focusing on crafting stories that bring hope healing and vision whether fiction or real life. With two published books of her own and more to come, she helps coach others on telling their own stories. She loves learning, and her passion is to help people understand their inherent worth and goodness. Amy actively uses social media to document life sweet, sour, and silly. And her Instagram and all her handles will be in the show notes for when you hear this. Welcome, Amy. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you so much. I'm grateful and I'm humbled and I I can't wait for this conversation. I am excited too. What caught my eye, I think, was was a post about having been in the ministry and left the church and the healing from that. And I don't even remember the contents of it now, but some critique of the circumstances and the institution in which you found yourself and how it Mm -hmm. didn't mesh with you. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how you got here, how you got to accomplished author and speaker, but no longer in the ministry. Yeah, it's a fun, <laughs> fun story. Fun I in always, air quotes. <laughs> no, it has been really fun because throughout this, through this journey, I've had my kids, I've been able to raise them. I have three daughters, the oldest is 20, 
my middle is 17 and my youngest is almost 11. Oh, you're busy. Uh, yes. Yes. Mostly busy over like text and <laughs> with the elders until they need something. Right. But, but no, they're just incredible human beings. In fact, I was on a podcast last week and the host asked me if I wanted them to grow up to be me. And I said, no, I want them to grow up to be absolutely their own people. And I just love the people that, that they're becoming, that they are and that they're becoming. This, I include my girls because they're an integral part of my spiritual life journey. And if you ever want to solidify your faith beliefs, you have a conversation with a five, six-year-old about God and yeah. You just you have no idea where that's going to go. <laughs> you better be ready. So they've challenged me. And a lot of what I do now, I keep them in mind. The posts I do on social media, I keep them in mind, not necessarily to protect them because they comment. In fact, one of my more popular reels is a commentary on a another reel that I did that included all their feedback. Anyway, I said all this to say, I've, I grew up in church. I grew up in the United Methodist Church. I was raised in church. I got away. I, I mean, I went all the way through high school and youth group, got to college, took a break from church and religion and all the things that come with that, had a really good time in college, and then got out, continued to have a really good time and um, met my my former husband. And then we had a baby. And as she was about, I don't know, a year, almost two years old, I thought, I need I feel like I need them and want something to ground her in this faith I grew up in. Mm-hmm. So I started going back to church, took her with me. And that kind of, I don't want to say snowballed because it's more, the visual I always present is I, I stumble into the, to the things that the divine has for me. And I specifically use the word the divine because to me, it's bigger than God, than mm-hmm. the masculine patriarchal God. It absolutely includes the spirit and the the feminine essence, the the sacred feminine, as as it were. So I, I stumble into these things, stumble into this life that God has for me, that the divine has for me. And so I start back to church, start getting involved in teaching Bible study. I'm working as well. I was in sales for a long time. And then we move overseas. We get involved with a church in Trinidad. We move back. Our middle daughter is diagnosed with cancer. And we walk, mm. she was four at the time. And so we walk her through that protocol, that 11 month journey to get her through the protocol and then all the scans and follow up after that. Uh, a couple of years after that, I get pregnant again with our third daughter. We go overseas again. All of these things all along the way, I, I'm stumbling into faith. I'm stumbling into these opportunities to experience spirituality in different ways. In Trinidad, I started writing my first ever writing assignment beyond a, like a travel blog was a Bible study lesson on the Proverbs 31 woman, a woman that doesn't even exist, but let's let's picture her that way. What would she look like? And golly, talk about busy. The Proverbs 31 woman is like, she's tired. She's exhausted. Clearly she's not a real woman because she's superwoman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's a superwoman. But I started writing. We got back to the States. The churches I was involved with asked me to write devotionals for Advent, for Lent devotionals that they were doing. The United Methodist Church is very liturgical, not so much as like the Episcopalians and the Anglicans, but still a lot of that DNA. So we still do the church seasons, which is different than non-denominational churches. Mm -hmm. And so I I got involved in those writing projects, figured out I liked it. I really liked it. And then when we finally settled back in Houston, where I live, um, we got involved with a, a startup church that was part of a bigger church that was a few miles from our house. And that 
is how I launched into ministry. That was just over 10 years ago. And I got involved as a volunteer. Eventually, an opportunity for me to join the staff came up and I became this, my official title was Director of Spiritual Growth, but I really functioned more in an associate pastor kind of role. I did go to explore the United Methodist process of ordination. That was another thing I stumbled into and stumbled out of. <laughs> I'm not ordained. Um, and it made it was very clear that I, I wasn't supposed to be in that system. It makes sense now. Mm-hmm. Um, I exited out of that system in 2019. And now five years later, I'm like, oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to uh, 22 years ago, um, my boss, the leader, the lead pastor of our church, was emotionally struggling. We were still in the midst of COVID and everybody was just burnt out and struggling. And so he ended up taking a couple of sabbaticals in 2021 into 2022, which meant, and then we were also doing some other things because we were a, a plant, a church plant. So I was taking on more and more role of more and more responsibility within the church. And I just, I wasn't emotionally, financially, or really I don't want to say spiritually set up to do it. I was given a lot of things to do and no agency or real authority to do Mm -hmm. them. And me operating without boundaries, I was like, yeah, I'll do it all. Whatever you need me to do. I actually had, I made that statement. I will do whatever. Yeah. I I will do whatever you need me to do. And, And so I did. And what ended up happening was at the, let's see. I found myself in July after a couple of months. I was seeing a therapist, still see a therapist. She and I were going back and forth about whether or not I needed antidepressants because I really was depressed. But what we figured out is that for me, not that there's anything wrong with antidepressants, I'm definitely not one of those people that you can pray it away. You can't. Some people legitimately need them, whether for short term or long term. But for me, it was my lifestyle. I was just living completely without boundaries, like nothing. And so starting to institute those boundaries in work, in my personal life, in my extended family life, it was a hard process, but it got me to a point where I was like, I I just can't keep doing this. I can't. So I decided that I was going to quit the ministry. And the same day I was going to give my notice, we discovered that the parent church was shutting us down. Wow. Yeah. So talk about synchronicity. It was very obvious that I I had to go and I was going to go whether I wanted to or not. That was, I had fortunately gotten there again, stumbled into this. Oh, I can't do this anymore. And then the choice was really easy. I'm just going to stop you there. I love that because I've had that happen more than once and actually very recently where a door opens or a door closes and you make a decision and the universe goes, and we're just going to put a an exclamation, just to put a pin in it, just to make sure that this is where, okay, thank you. Got it. It's funny. It's not, it's, it's not a threat, but it's, oh, this is exactly where you need to be. The punctuation mark. Yeah. It's, it's a divine bridge burning. You're not going back. There's no option for you to go back. In fact, it was kind of crazy. I had all these people from our parent church saying, oh, we'll find a place for you. That, that never materialized. And I, I quickly realized I couldn't go back into that system. And really, my faith journey is interesting because the the buzzword that's been around for a few years is deconstruction, right? You're deconstructing your faith. 
And and that certainly applies to everybody. To me, it has always felt like more an unentangling where you have this beautiful necklace that you pull out of your jewelry box and it's a mess. And so you have to slowly and methodically undo those knots, right? So for me, that's what's been happening. I've always had this beautiful faith. There has not been a time in my life I can remember from the age of three or four sitting in church where I haven't felt the presence of God and the divine of the spirit. And so for me, it was, I don't want to lose that piece of it. Because mm-hmm. it's beautiful and it's part of me, but I can't exist in this system because the system doesn't know what to do with me. The system rejected me. The system paid me part-time work for over full-time effort, right? It was just a lot of these things where I had to learn to separate the church system from what I actually believed. And so I spent the rest of, so all of that with the ending happened in August of 2022. I spent the rest of the year reading books because I taking care of my family and taking care of my body, but I couldn't do anything else. I was just so burnt out. And I started, I hadn't been able to really write for almost 18 months. And so that was a piece that I had lost to. And I say write for my own self. I was writing sermons. I was preaching every week to every other week. But sermon writing is different than writing creatively. It just was one of those things where I just shut it all down and shut down any interaction with a lot of people at church. But the interesting thing happened when the church, when I guess the church went away, um, there were not a whole lot of people that kept in touch. Mm -hmm. That once I was no longer in that role where And I don't think people did this maliciously. It's kind of like when you lose a loved one, eventually everybody goes back to their own lives, right? You, But you're still left with the grief. You're still left with the loss. So for those of us that were close to the the inner circle and, and knew what happened, that was kind of another devastation. People outside of that didn't know what had happened and didn't know the mess that it was. And so it it took me just a long time to grapple with that. And it took me till end of October before I really started thinking about writing again. And what came out of that really, <clears throat> excuse me, three months sabbatical from life, <laughs> where I ended up by the end of December, I think I read 77 books last year and over 50 of them were in the second half of the year. It was crazy. I just, and they were all fiction. No, very few nonfiction. Um, and that's where my, that's where I, I say this in my bio. I've always loved stories, but I didn't know that I was a storyteller until my mid thirties. And then last year I, I rediscovered it. I'm like, you know what? If other people can write stories like this, I think I can too. And so I just started. It's like that phrase, she thought she could. So she did. I, I just started writing. And so what came out of it were the, the two books come to me which is also, it's it's a print ebook and journal form. And then this book that's being released in January, my first fiction book called Teleosis. And they were, uh, all of it was me writing my way out of my pain, knowing that my story and what I've been through will help other people because that piece of my call has never left. Mm-hmm. I, dis- I discovered that in the ministry and it, it just has, it was, it has all converged here in, and in, in January of 2023, that's when I launched my company, AW Vogel Publishing, where 
I'm writing, I'm speaking, and I'm helping other people tell their stories. Beautiful. I And the reason I have you on is because we're not going to bash the church, but we I do want to talk about, and this is just an aside, what an institution made up of just people. Mm-hmm. They're not exempt from human drama can do the kind of healing required when you've been in a system like that. And also that very, very potent realization you came to that this, the life with the divine is a separate experience Mm -hmm. to be able to separate the two, the human drama from your very personal relationship with the divine and how each of us has to really come to that ourselves and what that looks like for us. Two things jump out at me as you were talking. One your healing's very fresh. It's it was not that long ago, and so I would imagine there's still a lot of that in process. And the other thing is, you keep using the word stumbling, <laughs> and I guess what comes up for me is there's a lot of things we stumble into the divine or the universe bring to us, but it requires an openness and open eyes and the ability to recognize the opportunity. When it comes. Yeah. You may be stumbling, but you're seeing the doorway and you're able to bring yourself through it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always joked that I've, I'm going to, ha- if I'm ever going to write an autobiography, it's going to be called Holy Stumbler, where literally just <laughs> trip over, trip into, trip on the things of the things I'm supposed to do in life. It's been that way since for my whole life. And I mean it joyfully. That all of a sudden where I'm like, oh, and that's the great example of that was earlier this year when I thought, instead of going to work for somebody else, why don't I, why don't I try and make this, I've been speaking, I've been writing for a long time. I've got a book published, lots of talking in front of people experience. I love to do it. Why don't I try to make a go of that? And the funny thing was people around me knew that before I ever did. And so I, I remember it's telling so a, often happens that way. <laughs> like all the time. I remember telling two of my really good friends and they were like, Yeah, duh, we've known that for a couple of months. And I'm like, but y'all didn't say anything to me. Thanks for right? letting like, me know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost like I wake up and oh excuse me, the light bulb goes on. And so much of it is this is a journey to walk out. And instead of being in a system that reinforced my shame reinforced my guilt reinforces the fact that I've got to believe this certain set of dogma or, and I've got to act a certain way or, yeah. I mean, I I had one guy from that post you mentioned tell me that I was never really saved. And I was like, okay, we'll have to agree to disagree on that because I don't think our definition of salvation is the same, but it's just one of those things where as I've continued to walk out this process over the course of my adult life is when I've really been aware of it, that there's so much more goodness. There's so much more abundance that truly God, the divine, the universe, however you term it, they want the best for us. They really do. They do not want health, fire, and brimstone. They want the best. And, and I don't even think we can get in the way of that. Now we have to walk that. Yeah. I I did this post a couple of, about a month ago, and it's something that's been with me for a long time. This radical idea of what if you did, what if you couldn't do anything wrong? What if you couldn't do anything wrong? What if 
those constructs are based in fear and control. And that's not really how the divine works, that there's no quote unquote wrong. Now, is there harm? Yes, absolutely. Can we harm ourselves and other people? Yes, the earth. Yes. It reminds me of the definition of sin is just missing the marks, being out of alignment, out of congruence with yourself. Yeah. And, and also I'm reminded of the the verse, there is nowhere you can go to escape love. Yeah. It has yeah. just been such a mainstay of hope for me. Yeah, that's Psalm 139. Nowhere I can go yeah. to escape it. Where can I go from your presence? Literally nowhere. That's the whole point of <laughs> of the psalm. I preached on that actually. So what I love about the Bible is that it's not easy. It's not meant to be easy. It's contextual and we constantly take it out of context, but there's so much wisdom and so much beauty. So if we can kind of get over the patriarchal agendas of it all, then it can be reclaimed. And I've been steeped in the Bible my whole life. And I am going through a process of that reclamation of the real almost Easter egg, the gems hidden in there. I, um, I have a story I tell. When I was going through this, I had been born and raised and swimming in the Southern Baptist Church. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. That, was, that was healing to come out of. And then in my adult life was in other denominations, hmm. but had never heard or absorbed the idea that I could think for myself, mm-hmm. that I could choose my own faith of, beyond what I'd been taught. And when I went through this life-changing process in in my late 30s, it was tumultuous to say, okay, I'm throwing all that away. Mm -hmm. I'm wiping the slate clean. Is there anything left of what what rings true for me? And what I came back to was my relationship with the divine, the love that I felt, and that relationship I just, I stripped all the belief systems off it. So I'm starting with this. Yeah. Now let's go see what actually resonates for me. It just, as you're talking, I'm like, there's so many people who have been taught that they're not allowed to think for themselves or that they have an option. Yeah. Yeah. I, agency is huge for me. The ability to think and make my own choices. What, as long as they're not harming anybody else, right? As long as I have the, I say the best intentions, but as long as I'm being led by love, then it, it is going to work out. It is going to work out okay. And I, that was one of the reasons why I think the divine brought me back around in writing this book, this devotional come to me because, so it's the only scripture I examine in this devotional. Most Christian devotionals are, you bounce back and forth with mm-hmm. different scriptures. This one is just one. I, there's one passage. That's it. It's Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And you'll get it when I, it's the, the passage that says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burden and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me and you will find rest for your souls. And I explored in different versions, different translations, but it's just that verse. And I think that was a huge part of my own untangling the systems and my faith is, okay, Jesus says this. This feels like the most authentic thing Jesus would say. It's so right? loving and reassuring. And honestly, it, it most of the time you hear it preached, come follow me. Mm. This was important for me because it's come to me. Just It's like almost a lover saying, come to me, let me hold you in this pain. Let me love your soul back to life. Mm. And, and even reading the book, because 
I wrote it over about a six, seven month period. I can, and I'm going back through it now. I post on social media about it every Monday. I can tell the shift when the shift happened. There was so much pain and there's so much confusion in the first part of the book, the first maybe week and a half, two weeks of entries. And then just after week two, I, every time, day 16, day 15, day 16, I feel the shift. I'm like, oh, this is when I realized I was actually healing. This is when I realized I, things were going to be okay. Because to me, the whole tone of it shifts, right? The whole tone, it's all hopeful and it's all healing, but I started to believe it while I was writing it. And it's kind of like I had knee surgery. I blew out my knee in 2019 because I didn't stretch before I played kickball. And you're just not supposed to do that when you're in your mid forties. <laughs> and I had to be on crutches for six weeks. And it was one of those things where there, there was that moment where I knew it would be okay, but it took a long time to get there. The healing had to be walked out. I had to do physical therapy. I had to listen to my doctors. I had to do the things I knew would get me better. And before I knew I would get better, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And even as things have continued to be tumultuous, even into this year, although the church, like we talked about, the church was truncated, right? Like I'm, I, I feel like I'm in a good place grieving about that. But personally, things have been crazy in 2023. And so it's, it's a wild ride. And there are just times when you got to do the thing you're being led to do. And the healing will, the feeling of healing, the feeling that it will be okay, it will catch up to you. Sounds like faith. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I was told. Feel, yeah. feel good. If you know what's there to be done that you are to do, then you do it. Yeah. I was told in those, I don't know if it's since you were in Southern Baptist Church, that they do the spiritual gifts test. Do you ever have yeah. one of those done? Yeah. So I was, I spent a while in like the super charismatic Pentecostal, like I had a phase. I still in the Oh yeah, I had church, that phase too. Yeah. <laughs> I had the phase. I think it's a necessary phase, but learn to speak in tongues, all of that. But I, I took several spiritual gifts tests and one the thing, several of them were consistent, but the most consistent one was the gift of faith. And I, I do believe it was a gift. I can't get away from God. I really can't. <laughs> I've tried. And <laughs> And they just keep showing up <laughs> in different forms and fashions. And right now for me, it's her. She keeps showing up. That was an important piece for me too, to the, pen, the pendulum swing over into God as a woman in mm -hmm. order to kind of heal that archetype within myself so yeah. that I could at least get outside of this fixed yeah. masculine persona right? that in my experience was only judgmental and mercurial and mm -hmm. unreliable and all those things. Mm -hmm. I remember distinctly remember struggling with my beliefs before my life-changing experience and my divorce and realizing that the masculine examples I had for God, which were supposedly my incarnated example of God, mm -hmm. were so screwed up. <laughs> there was no way I was going to have an accurate representation for what God was. Anyway. Yeah. And, you know, my first, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say the, so swung towards the feminine. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like I'm at a place. Then I went to the universe and I realized mm -hmm. after a while that there was no personal, in, for me, no personal warmth in that. 
yeah. I had to come back to something that was the Shekinah glory of God. It, uh-huh. is, it is the feminine. Yeah. It is anything. It's yeah. not necessarily masculine or feminine. It is the right. creative force that envelops me in love. And I'm like wrapped in bubble wrap. Not that I'm not going to get hurt, but I can't ever escape that safety right. love. And it's, yeah, I just, I remember looking back on my childhood, e- even seven, eight, nine years old, feeling the dissonance when things didn't sound right that were coming at me. And then knowing for sure when there were messages of love yep. coming f- from the pulpit. And, yeah. um, it's funny how we, especially as, as women, I've noticed this, I think it's, it's definitely possible for men too, but women fe- feel so intrinsically. Mm-hmm. Our superpower is empathy, right? To be able to connect with another human being. Again, men can do it too, but I think mm-hmm. we just, we're so tied into that, that deep place within us that just wants to love and there's so many different expressions of love but we just we want everything to be okay to feel good and how can that not be the heart of god how can that not be if you're worshiping any other kind of god i yikes like this no i need to stay with love yeah i need to stay with love feels like that's what we're made of yep absolutely Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. I want to talk about your most recent medium post about failure and shame. Just a light topic. Sure. <laughs> because it's been on my mind recently. Mm. And and you mentioned Brene Brown and I'm a mm. I'm an avid reader of her work because I had an experience of what my ego perceived as failure. Mm. It wasn't a failure, but definitely triggered quite the shame storm within Mm -hmm. myself and it was a really interesting journey to that i hadn't been that deep with it in a long time it took a full couple of weeks to come back to center Mm -hmm. talk to me about what you've learned about failure so this is probably the freshest thing for me is I realized in the summer, somewhere August-ish, that starting a new company, going through a major life change, oh man, there are so many things that could go wrong here. But what I realized was, it's not that I was afraid of failure. That's not it at all. What I'm afraid of is success. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid of things that my, whether you want to call them the heart's desires that I'm manifesting or the prayers I'm praying or just the plan and purpose for my life is being guided and directed by love. What if, what if I screw it up? <laughs> what if I mess it up? Yeah. And, and I've been working on this in therapy, um, working on in particular, the self-esteeming piece of it, mm. like speaking to myself, speaking positively, because shame has lived as the loudest voice in my life. 
and mm-hmm. come by it honestly. Come by it family of origin, society, religion. I, I got all of the ingredients in there yeah. to be ashamed. But I know for me that when I'm done with something, I'm just done. I'm just done. I drank Diet Coke. This is a random example, but I drank Diet Coke for years, years. It was my mainstay. It was my coffee, right? The first thing I drank in the morning. And then it started to make me feel really bad. And over the course of about a year of process of elimination, I'm like, oh, this is really bad for me. And I just woke up one morning and was like, I can't drink this anymore. This is so terrible. I'm done. And so that theme of when I'm done, I'm done. It's not an egoic place. It's just the bridge is burned, right? Mm -hmm. And this idea of being just done with shame, I'm still kind of sick of it. So I may not quite be done yet. (laughs) It still has kind of a hold on me. But I don't know if this is something that the uh, different churches do a lot of, but the Enneagram are you familiar with the Enneagram? Yeah. So I'm an Enneagram three and are so Enneagram threes and I can't remember. I know it's three and seven. We have a core of shame. Mm-hmm. So we're driven to be successful because the, for me, the definition of shame is that it's not that you've done something wrong. It's that you are wrong. Mm-hmm. You yourself, your identity is, is not right. It's wrong. And so you operate from that place. So knowing that. It's been working in me for a long time and and posting on social media, writing blogs about it, writing books, speaking on it, helping other people. It's all part of my continued liberation into who I was created to be. Shame is shame operates very insidiously in our culture. And and if I can help somebody else out by calling out where I've been listening to the voice of shame. In fact, the the post I did this morning it was a big step for me, but it was, oh, was because the dancing, dancing one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, Oh God. That was, I was like, what you want me to do? That was a divinely led post. And I was like the same thing with the one I did about my ministry experience. My, the one that, that, that you found me from, I was, in my pajamas. I didn't have a bra on. I hadn't brushed my teeth. Like I was the, and I was in the frumpiest pajamas I own too. It wasn't like cute pajamas. And I was cooking breakfast. Not Instagram ready pajamas. (laughs) No. And, and and I'm sitting there and I just really felt the push, almost physical push to do it now. What? You want me to do this right now? Yep. Film yourself. Do it now. And it took me five minutes to do that post. And same thing with this morning, the push was there that it's just, it's crazy how when you lead this life with the intention of following love and being love and showing up lovingly, one, you're not going to make everybody happy when you do it, but at least you are being authentic and true to yourself. And it counteracts it it almost, it's like the antidote to shame, Mm -hmm. the poison of shame in your system. So yeah, that's uh, and it's helped me start to really overcome my fear of being successful. Because mm-hmm. what I mean, if the divine wants the best for me, why don't I want the best for me? But failure is part of that, right? You have to learn the lessons that will make you that will give you the wisdom that you need in the future. So I, th- I think that's been really impactful for me. Is if the divine's not condemning me or shaming me, why am I doing it? Right, and also I'm. 
I'm noticing how it sounds, how easy it is for you to just to to listen, to hear mm-hmm. the still small voice, to listen and follow it. Mm-hmm. It's just in and of itself, not so easy. No, that's that gift. I mean, it's a gift. It is. There, there is absolutely nothing that I've ever done that has warranted my ability to be so connected to the divine and to receive whether you call them downloads or messages or what have you. In fact, often I'm brought up short in my meditation times. Wait a minute, because I'm trying so hard to hear. Mm. I don't have to try hard to hear. And I think that's what makes it hard for people is they think they have to be in a super spiritual place. They think they have to be listening to the right music, have the right ambiance. And definitely that absolutely helps, but you just show up as you are. Yeah. You just show up and if you can pray to the electricity, right? Like it's anything to get you going, anything right. to get you in that place where you're receptive. That's, I think that's the other thing. I, I, I am receptive to it. Yeah. And I think that also brings up for me this, you're talking about, first of all, it, it doesn't have to be so hard. Mm-hmm. Our egos love to make it hard. Mm-hmm. Complicated and... But also, sometimes the things you're meant to be doing are the things that come easiest to you. And we try to outsmart ourselves. This is too easy. Everybody can do this. No, if it's easy for you, that's likely a gift that you can help others cultivate. Yeah. I like putting a, a, a point on that because there are things like, this is a mundane example, but I discovered years ago that flower arranging and making wreaths came easy to me. Like, it's just no big deal. I just, you just do this and this and until it looks right. <laughs> and I was in a nonprofit and they said, can you teach a class? I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's no, because it's, it, if it comes naturally to you, you don't realize that it's, it can be, it's something you've been gifted. Yes. And it can be used to serve. That's my thing. You, things are easy for you because the divine wants you to use it to help other people. Because I can tell you, wreath making does not come easy to me. I am, and words are my creative space. Crafting is not. It's just not. My kids, both, all three of my kids are really crafty and good at those kind of things. They did not get it from me. But I have to try really hard. A couple of weeks ago, I had to make a poster for my daughter, who's a senior, for her swim team. And I mean, I had to gear myself up. I had to go to war <laughs> to make a poster because it's just not the but, poster battle. <laughs> it was, but if you wanted me to write her a letter, yeah, do that in a split second. But I, I think in the church, we're so used to hearing things. You have to be a martyr. Things have to be hard for you. I mean, look at Jesus in the wilderness. Look at Jesus in the cross. Okay. Those are two wildly different examples and lots of time between those two. Look how easy it was for him to multiply the fishes and the loaves. That was not hard. Look how easy it was for him to walk across the water twice. We get these things twisted up because, like you said, the ego wants to make it hard and the ego operates from fear. The ego operates from control. And when you have a system built on ego and fear, like a lot and of control systems and control, It's got to be hard so you can earn it. And that's where shame has tripped me up too. It's just this capitalist society in general. If you haven't earned it, you don't deserve it. 
and that's not the place I'm operating from anymore. And I, and I'm seeing things start to go, if that makes sense. It's, I love to talk about this. I'm loving this conversation because it's, it's just so right where I am. And I know right where I'm going to be for a long time. So many people need to hear it, need to hear that what the hallmarks are of shame mm. and how to work with it. Mm. I had a teacher talk about, she called it sister shame. Mm. Because as you said, it thrives in the dark. It thrives by not being seen and heard and spoken. And it's not likely to go anywhere. It may mm -hmm. always be sitting in the back seat or next to you, but it's about knowing how to, what do they do to bombs? They, they deactivate them. It's, it's mm -hmm. learning how to take away its power yep. and control over your life. Yeah. And it's, you know, bless Brene Brown. She's been talking about mm -hmm. it for years, but we could talk yep. about it for decades to come because it's one of those really dangerous pieces that humanity has, is swimming in. Yeah. And, and it's not new. It's not new. It's <laughs> depending on which creation myth you believe. If you want to go back to Adam and Eve, the biblical creation myth, and a lot of other religions and cultures over the eons have believed similar creation myths. But just this idea that we had to do something wrong and God has to save us. The divine has to save us. And there's lots to be mined in that. In fact, in this new book that's coming in January, called teleosis, I tell an alternative creation myth. And it started with the question, and I even say this in the author acknowledgments, or the, yeah, the acknowledgments to say, this book started by asking two questions. The first question was, what if the fall didn't happen in Genesis 3, but in Genesis 4, when Cain killed Abel? What if that violence and harm are the problem and domination? What if that's the problem? Not Adam and Eve. And their disobedience, I also say in air quotes. And then, and then what would a world be like if it had a civilization that was run by women? <laughs> because there's so much out of balance because you talk about the divine masculine and the divine feminine. We don't operate from anything but an androcratic philosophy in the West where it's male domination, period. Mm -hmm. But where the healing, where the justice, where the comfort, where the nurturing comes from, that's all feminine. So what happens if we blend the two? What would a culture, what would a civilization look like? What kind of good could happen in this world if those two things were united and that was the focus? And so that's, those are the two questions. Now it's a fiction book, so it's got all kinds of drama and ups and downs. And <laughs> I love it. I can't wait to read it. That sounds fascinating. It's taking me back to the time that I think it's, it's part of my spiritual journey when I was researching the Minoans, this pre-Greek matriarchal society. Oh, yeah. yeah. And were they on Crete? Did they live in Crete, on Crete? Yeah. Yeah. They're on yeah. the island. Mm -hmm. And I, I will say I must have been there in a past life because I so fell in love with their frescoes that I ended up painting, mm. oh, wow. recreating some of their frescoes for myself just because I wanted to do. But that gave me hope somewhere in time, and I'm sure they were not the only ones. There were many matrilineal societies mm -hmm. that thrived, and hopefully with, as the indigenous call, the dream of love and power instead of the mm. dream of fear and pain. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This whole process of coming into an experiential relationship with the divine feminine for me started from reading, of course, and it was actually one of the few nonfiction books I read last year in the summer called When God Was a Woman. 
Mm. And it tells the history of matriarchal religious anthropology from an anthropological perspective. And then read most of the chalice and the blade, which is kind of the, the sequel. It almost feels like the sequel to when God was a woman because it tells that story. It tells the story of what could life be like, why things are so screwed up right now. And then what could the world be like if we just blended who we are? Mm-hmm. together and let those characteristics, those gifts, those abilities shine. That reminds me of Andrew Harvey and his whole teaching around the, the re- first of all, the return of the mother, but basically the divine human, which becomes that integrated whole mm-hmm. of humanity and divine, masculine and feminine, so that they are, that they can operate from their wholeness and hopefully we as a society move towards that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a huge undercurrent, not even an undercurrent. There's a huge movement of it, which I didn't even know existed because I was so in the church. Now out of the church, I'm like, oh, oh, so this is where it's all happening. (laughs) This is where they are. (laughs) I'm glad I found y'all. I'm glad I'm here. Not that I don't think it's happening in churches too. You mentioned the, your other guests, the Episcopalian priests, the Episcopal, the Episcopalians, they're on it. They're on it. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's that it's a system and it's a system of fear and power and control and ruled by men. And we see how well that, that's working out. Yeah. My, one of my children asked about a family member who was very much steeped and, and comfortable in religion. And she said, I just don't understand. I said, people like many people, they like the security of a box to live in. Mm-hmm. And so they never venture outside of it because that's their comfortable little box. And when you start questioning things, a lot of times people leave those boxes and find other places to thrive. Yeah. 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 And you have to, I think as women too, we've been reclaiming our power in a lot of ways. And there are women who are doing this in the church as well, calling, calling out, being that prophetic voice to point out where the church is screwing it up for everybody, for lack of a better word. I didn't use the word I wanted to, but <laughs> I don't know if you have a censor button, but it's uh, it, love can be prophetic as much as it can be comforting and nurturing. Love, capital L love, comes with capital T truth. You cannot love brightly. You cannot love the divine. You cannot love yourself. You cannot other lo- love other people unless you truly understand what that means and what that looks like. And so there are, I'm also one of these people that I, I like to connect the dots because I like to see vision and I like to see the, the way forward. And I see it. I, I see, it's almost like how you've got all of these friend groups. That's what, that's how I view the environments and the spaces I've been in over my life. I have all these clicks. friend groups. <laughs> clicks. Yes. I got the church click. I got the school click. I got the, all of that. I got the soccer mom click and I see it all starting to connect mm. in together. And it reminds me last 2021, spring break of 2021, I read a book called The Great Emergence by Phyllis Tickle. And I don't think there's been a book that has influenced the way that I look at what's happening in the world that's had a greater impact on me than that book. 
that just still ranks as the number one. I think I mention it in every single podcast that I'm on. And because it talks about how every 500 years, there's this reformation and the reformation of the church was one of those, but it's literally this revolution, this turning over. It's almost the divine is scooping the soil up and turning it over so something new can grow out of it. And it affects everything. It affects society, it affects religion, it affects everything, culture. And we're in the middle of that right now. The Bible would call it the birth pangs of the new creation. And it's painful. Childbirth is not fun, y'all. It's not. But there's beauty in it. And it's if you can enjoy the process while you're doing it, it's it'll change you forever. It'll change everything forever. Where do you see your work going? What would be your desire for your work ongoing? I have, I, I did a whole vision and I'm about to redo it again, a, a vision board, basically. In fact, my therapist specifically told me I had to do it for my business, <laughs> not just my personal life, for my business. But my personal life is part of it. My romantic future, I want, I want to have a partner. I want to have somebody that I can have these kind of conversations with, somebody that has his own work in bringing about beauty and light and love, but we work together. I don't know how that's going to work out, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm hoping it's soon. <laughs> but for my, specifically for my business, for my work, for my mission, because I, I see them all as interrelated together. I want to be able to continue the articulation and expression of what I do, writing and speaking, but I see the opportunity to help other people expanding. Mm-hmm. And storytelling is one of those things that can feel kind of vague and nebulous, but it, We're telling a story right now. Podcasts are storytelling. Mm -hmm. Podcasts have agenda. Podcasts have purposes. Podcasts have morals to the story that each person, you and I are going to take something different away from this. And then the people listening are going to take something away from this conversation. And so for me, I want to help the evolution of the collective, if you will, in whatever way I can, whether that's written, whether that's speaking, whatever kind of medium it is, tell the stories of how to live into a vision of humanity that is not what we've experienced heretofore. It's an ancient vision. This is not new, right? What we're striving for is not new. Sorry, (laughs) my do not disturb went off (laughs) and now everybody's calling me. But I, I want this And I don't think religion, I don't think Christianity, I don't think we throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I say Christianity because that was my religion. There are other pieces of other religions that connect in too. So for me, I I want to be able to tell those stories that make an impact. In fact, I'm going to get out my phone here. This is part of my daily prayers, which being an Enneagram 3, I actually don't say them every day. But daily prayers, let's see. I'll just, I'll read it. This is the first part of it. Good morning, Lord, and thank you for the sober awakening. Goddess, let the abundance in my body and soul well up in me today. Let the voices and of the patterns of scarcity I've learned quiet as I come before you in silence. Let the abundance born of love be the song of my soul and the legacy of my life. Then I have lots more prayers that come Wow, say that places. again. Let the abundance. Let the abundance born of love be the song of my soul and the legacy of my life. That's beautiful. Thank you. That's it. That's however, whatever form that can and should take, that's what I want. And that to me feels like holy writ. 
And so I'm actually teaching it to my youngest and I've got different poetry and different writings that they feel just as holy to me as the Bible or other sacred texts. Let the abundance born of love be the song of my soul and the legacy of my life. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your story, being vulnerable, talking about those difficult moments of life, because I know that it's inspiring to me and that will be helpful to those struggling. I was going to say still struggling, but wherever they are in the struggle, whether they're within a religion or have just having left one or never were in one, to, to find the divine for themselves and what mm-hmm. resonates for them. Absolutely. How can people find you and connect with you? Yeah, I post on Instagram a lot. My handle there is A.W. Vogel. It's the only not Amy W. Vogel <laughs> thing that I have, but it's A.W. Vogel. My website is amyvogel.com. No, amywvogel.com. And then most everything else like Facebook and YouTube is Amy W. Vogel. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's been an honor. Thank you. I wanted to also mention Amy's books. She is author of Come to Me, A Devotional for Healing from Hurt and Third Person, 30 Days with the Holy Spirit, and a new book, Teleosis, coming out in early 2024. Mm-hmm. So feel free to check those books out and find her on, on all the socials. I know that you will love reading what she puts out and interacting with her. If you like these podcasts, please like and subscribe and share. And you can find more of these episodes at thewomenssanctuary.com. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you here again next time on The Women's Sanctuary. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.